Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello wonderful listeners this is Avik and welcome to Healthy Mind Healthy Life today we have an extraordinary guest with us yes i'm talking about Roy Colling so welcome to the show Roy thank you very much for having me Avik lovely lovely so uh, Roy like before we start our conversation today and uh, delve deep into the discussion i would love to mention this to all of our listeners that um, Roy's journey is a roller coaster of success and the setbacks like from shy kid uh, doing odd jobs to a uh, distinguished toastmaster from financial abundance to losing everything so it's a it's a journey like yet he bounced uh, he bounced back like creating the podcast that reached the top 0.5% and 1.5% uh, Roy's story is not just about the podcasts it's about the resilience transformation and um, the power of the mindset so stay tuned as roy shares insights from his incredible journey offering tips for the podcasters and unraveling the secret to healthy mind amidst the life's challenges so let's dive into this enriching episode of healthy mind and healthy life with inspiring roy welcome to the show again roy No, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Lovely, lovely. Uh, so, right, like I have read your bio, and from there, I have few things in my mind. But uh, it will be it will be great, like if you can share a bit more about your journey from uh, the highs of podcasting success to the lows of losing everything. So, any pivotal moments that shaped this uh, transformative experience? Well. like the podcasting kind of came after everything that i lost so the the kind of journey of doing lots of properties and everything so the the, the whole kind of journey was i was i dated a polish girl and when i visited her parents i saw oh pro- property prices are okay in poland so then i bought a few as well i already had uh, dabbled in on a property in ireland i had three properties and i was renting two and then Uh, there was other people asking me so i decided okay i'm going to create a company and i called the company polera pol for polish and era is the irish for ireland okay and i started going to bni meetings and everything and i started creating syndicates getting investors across and everything was good relationship broke up we were about 2 years together but it kind of we said okay this is working let's let's keep it going so she based herself in poland and i based myself in ireland but i was kind of going out one week a month and everything was good getting lots of investors but then we were after buying a commercial property a few different syndicates for developments as well as you know buying uh, apartments 
renovating them. Then we realized people wanted them fitted out. So that became another business. Then we realized people wanted them managed. And instead of outsourcing, not giving somebody else the job, we said, why don't we do it ourselves? So, you know, we ended up having a lot of businesses, not even thinking that that was going to happen. And then she sent an email to all the investors saying, I'm after creating a new company and I can look after everything. And I went, yeah, exactly. Your face, it was the way I kind of went as well. It was like the energy just got sucked out of me. And I didn't want to move there, but I knew I'd lost everything because I had released equity in my three properties to, to buy into these syndicates. And like, I wasn't going to trust her because I had the business experience and you know, she didn't. And I said, okay, I'm moving across. And she ended up getting one client out of a lot. So, you know, it didn't work out as she had planned. And everything started going okay. I started building a team. I had about 10 people working for me. And plus kind of three security guards and a cleaner on a commercial property that we had. And everything was going good. I, I was doing lots of uh, real estate deals. And then the crash happened. And it was it kind of happened in America and kind of slowly sailed across the, the oceans. And I was actually doing okay. But the investors who were big boys, I was the small fish. They were like real big. Some were worth 20 million euro plus. Like, you know, there was some of them were really wealthy and they started losing everything. And I thought, this is a hiccup. This is going to get come right. So I started putting money into the commercial and into the other ones. And I said, look, if you can't pay me, I'll just increase my share. I thought, this is all good. And it, it didn't come right. They lost everything, lost everything, did properties all over the world. They lost a whole lot. And then I started realizing, hey, I'm running out of money here because I'm paying for everything and went to the banks and kind of said, hey, look, I need interest only. I need to do this. And what they did in my Irish properties, they took me off interest only, like without me even saying anything. So properties that were in cash flow positive then went to a minus straight away. And then commercial properties, interest rates went through the roof. And because the banks were taking everything off people, they were repossessing everything, they started renting these properties, Class A offices, in which where I am, for like five, $5 uh, you know, a meter squared, whereas I was getting around 10 or 15 per meter squared. And I was a bit out. I know I was like 20 minutes out from the city center. And they were like, hey, we have, we're going for this unless you reduce it. And I thought, no, I'm not reducing the price. But as it happened, I couldn't then rent them and I had to start splitting it up, which involved more costs as well to split up a property because it was a big commercial property. I went to the bank before I missed any payments with, with that commercial. And I said, listen, I've got planning permission for a warehouse. I've got one part of a warehouse here, an office and warehouse on this side. I'll sell them all separately and just give me interest only. And like the minute we missed the payment, they sent in the bailiffs and like... Once one thing fell down, everything started falling down. And the thing is, in most countries, when you've got, um, you're the president of a company, it's like, oh, I've lost everything. And you wash your hands and you just got brush your clothes and you start again. But in Poland, and nobody told me this, the solicitors or the accountants, you're personally liable when you're the president. And I'm the president of a lot of companies. So I was re responsible for all the debts on all these companies. And through this, I started seeing like the commercial that we had, the basically bailiffs came in and they said, don't pay me, pay us. So we'd no money straight away. They started paying them. 
Then they stopped paying the water. They stopped paying the electricity. So they got cut off. All the tenants left. And then people just came in and saw an empty building and started ripping out, you know, and eating a value copper and everything. So they destroyed the property. They got their valuers who they were in cahoots with. Like I talk in maybe dollar terms because most people would understand dollars. It was probably worth one and a quarter million dollars. And the way that the auction works is it's 75% on the first auction and 50% on the second auction. I've never seen a valuation in my life where they were actually <laughs> saying terrible things about the property. Normally, if I, you know, a valuation is nothing. It's just kind of stating as it is, the condition and all that. So it was really kind of making a bad situation. So they valued it at half a million. And <laughs> so then... Like at 75%, what they do is they do a screenshot. They pretend it's advertised. So a screenshot goes up. They can prove this was advertised, but nobody turns up. So then the second second auction is at 50%, which would have been quarter of a million for a 1.25 million property. And that's the kind of corruption that goes on. But thankfully, there was somebody I knew came in and bought it. I lost all my money on it. But what it done is it took the debt from that one. And that was one of the ones that went away. Another project, we we had four houses, and they actually bribed the people in the room. I don't know who was buying it. I didn't go in there. I was told, don't go there, because they'll be checking, you know, to put liability on you. And they bribed the people in the room, and they had their own cronies buy it. So when I was looking at this, I, and I had loads of court cases and everything, I was saying, this is going on around the world. And I saw it later, like in Ireland. I, I know in America, it happens a lot. UK as well. Like they're then making people personally liable for everything, even though they're not selling it at the right price. Everything is crooked. And that was my kind of transition then to kind of go, this needs to be exposed. So when I went to an event, it was basically, what's your quest? It was a Mind Valley event. And I was like, okay, this is my mission. Because I know a lot of people thrown the towel, families were destroyed. You know, there was a lot of carnage. We're talking about millions of families destroyed because of this. And like, just to show how bad it was, because unless you're involved in it, you wouldn't know the real truth of it. I had people that one, a friend of mine, he was a professor in a university. His wife was a solicitor. They were buying their second home. They had a 50% deposit. They couldn't get a loan. There was loads of people who wanted to buy the properties and they couldn't. So what happened is at one stage when everything was kind of, you know, everyone was buying everything, you had a pulse, you got money. And then it didn't matter what was happening. They turned off the tap. So that's why all the developers, that's why so many people failed because nobody was able to buy it. There was people who wanted to buy it, but they couldn't get a loan. And like, hence why the whole carnage across the, uh, across the world. So when I was at this event, it was basically... I want to make this my mission. And also there was two brilliant speakers there and I hated public speaking. So you'd mentioned that at the start, the way I went from shy. So to explain how shy I was, it, when I went to a shop, when I was young, I would give my friend the money to buy the sweets for me. I was too shy. When I was 18, I was a good boy. I didn't start drinking young. I waited till I was 18 and I wouldn't go up to the bar. I'd give my friend the money to go up when it was my round. And it was kind of even in business. I was working for about 12 years in Ireland for a mechanical contractor. First as a contracts manager, I built up to a contracts manager, then a regional manager. But even then, I just hated public speaking. I was brilliant at the job. I was making lots of money for the companies. But when it came to the weekly meeting with the client and the architect and the builder, 
I was like, my voice was going. I was just terrified. I couldn't sleep the night before. And so at that event, when they came back and said, I need to overcome my fear of public speaking and I need to expose this. So I knew of Toastmasters, went to Toastmasters, which, of course, two of my friends couldn't go on my own because obviously, you know, when, when you're nervous of these things, you don't go to these events on your own. And I said, this is brilliant. And the two friends said, yeah, it's great, but we don't have time. And I was like, and I was too shy to actually join it. I, I just couldn't do it. But a few months later, they were forming a new club. And I said, okay, everyone's going to be new. I'm going to go. Went on my own. And they, they got me to sign up. And then this will you do a speech next week yeah and from that moment I said I'm not going to say no I just agreed to do everything anytime they said when there was competitions entered every competition done an open mic comedy done open uh, TEDx I did I got into the final of five countries and within three years like had DTM which is Distinguished Toastmasters I formed my own club I was a coach of a club so I went from one extreme to the other which is kind of a lesson to don't ever tell yourself a story like I did that Oh, you can't speak. That's that's who you are. Because like, you know, tell me, go back in time and I'll slap myself into the head and say, don't tell yourself that story. You know, just 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 choose to do something and take the journey to actually overcome any fear that you've got. That's that's a detailed journey, I would say. And uh, it's uh, really a lot of things to learn from here. That's really great. And um, so as a podcasting coach, you have uh, not only created the successful podcast, but also helped others break into the top ranks. So what advice do you have for aspiring podcasters, especially those who may be dealing with the personal challenges and the setbacks? There's a, there's a lot of steps to it, right? So so first of all, a lot of people, they, they the same thing. They throw in the towel after three episodes or 10 episodes. And you've probably come across that. You've probably even people have asked you, as soon as you're a podcaster, everyone, hey, help me how to do it. And you'll help people and everything. And that's how the coaching actually came about. Because when I was doing a lot of the Toastmaster speeches, I was actually got into the podcasting at that stage. So a lot of my speeches were about that and helping people. I'd done workshops and at events. And I helped a lot of people get started. But then I found like people were contacting me. Hey, I want to start a podcast. And it's a lot of time helping them. And I knew I was good because, I mean, like I, I now launched my sixth one, but I mean, five are actually got to the top 1% with four getting to the top half percent, which is, I know is unusual. It's, it's like, that's, that, that's not that easy to do. And I didn't really take much notice of it till I kind of checked other people doing it. I said, okay, that's not that easy to do. And it was like, people weren't respecting my time. It was like, people were like saying, okay, help me, help me, help me. And I'm always helping people. And I was like, they weren't even saying, hey, let's take you for a meal or let's do this or whatever. It was just kind of, oh, thanks very much. And I thought my time isn't being respected and I really value my time. So I said, okay, if anyone wants me, I'm a coach. Now I'm starting to do it. And I started setting up the thing. So when people reached out, I said, listen, I've got a free uh, kind of webinar. It's half an hour. It'll take you through the thing. But if you're interested, I'm doing that. And it worked. You know, it started, people started kind of, understanding okay this is a business it's not something a fly by night so i started just growing it that way and a lot of people are kind of just there's about 
I don't know, 100 cogs to this wheel. Like so many people have reached out to me, like a lot of people that are actually like even writing books on podcasts and everything, you know, they, they interview me and they're, they're all trying to find out the secret sauce. They all think there's a magic button and I just press and boom, and you become, you know, like a lot of these really successful podcasters, they've got massive teams behind them or else they were successful beforehand. And, you know, we have to kind of understand that. So what I say to people at the start, whether you're an existing podcaster or you're a new, make sure that you have a decent conversation, that you, you know, that you do your, like, there's even some people know, there was like a thing that I never did. And I like to time constraints was that some people do a lot of pre-interview calls. And I know some people, like I've got clients that I'm helping getting on shows and they're kind of going, ah, you know, don't really want to be doing this. And I said, look, if you want to be on the show, you have to. but what we've realized is when people do that, they actually have a better interview because you've already built up the rapport. And it's like when you start the interview, you're chatting away like you're chatting with a friend because you know yourself. Like, I mean, when there's sometimes you just click so well with a guest and you're just having a fantastic conversation. Like it's a long last buddy. And I think some of the people are doing a pre-call to get that relationship. So that's kind of down to your time constraints if you're able to do that. I mean, if someone is doing maybe one one, one a week or, you know, two a fortnight, something like that, and they have a pre-call, that's okay. If you're doing a lot of shows like I do, and I know you're doing a lot of shows, that's kind of, you know, it's a bit hard. But it's something just to think about. The other thing is the logo. So, like, a lot of people, I mean, I made a mistake. So, for, for example, I'll tell you what I did with my Polish one. I didn't think it was going to be successful. The reason I started the Polish one is I wanted to improve my Polish and I started listening to Polish podcasts. They were scripted or they were only in Polish. I was like, I can't learn like this. I need it to be, you know, in a kind of fun way that there's a bit of English in it. So I started creating that exactly. So there's a co-host. So I'm the student, the teacher, is is the other host and we kind of do a five to ten minutes with a graphic and we talk about everyday life. But like my point is People just need to talk, whereas most education systems, it's all about grammar, speak right, speak right. I've met people with master's degrees in Poland that I'd even work with me. They could write probably 100 times better than me. But when they, could they have a conversation? No, they're just going to freeze mode because the schooling system never teaches you to relax and just have a decent conversation. And I think the most important thing is to talk. If you need to develop your skills, that's easy to do. And you can actually write that down. So what happened with me with the Polish one is I just set up the tripod, took a picture of me. And it's actually my ex-wife that's that, 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 that what I'm doing it with. And I just created a really poor graphic and it's been number one. It was like in a load of countries. It was ahead of Duolingo, ahead of BBC and everything. And that's the graphic that I have. So eventually I kind of invested and I got a really professional graphic with a kind of the flag and everything. And what I say to people is try to do that. If you're going to start off or even if you have an existing one, make it look good. And the other thing is when people create a graphic, they create it and they look at their, their monitors and they're going, oh, that looks good. They forget that it's like your QR code. It's a small little box when you're scrolling through Spotify or Apple, and it needs to look good in that as well. So you need to make sure that it sticks out when people are actually going through, because that's how they'll find you. So it's just watching things like that. And like the other thing is like lighting. I mean, I've, I have a ring light there. I have an LED light and I have the light on the thing. Did I start off like that? No. Was the quality good? No. I mean, I listened to the, the sound of some of my earlier episodes and I cringe, but it's like get started because some people they're they're going away doing the research they're spending every time they want everything perfect everything perfect and they never get out the gate whereas 
start, make your mistakes and just don't repeat them. You know, like noise. I'm sure that when you started, like there was a few things, you know, you can you can have signs on the door. People, even if you're interviewing them, they could have the fan. I tell them, turn off the fan, you know, air conditioning, you know, anything. Like if there's a dog barking or whatever, like, or even children. Like when my son is there, it's like he's he's never interfered with me. So if he's listening to something, he's, he puts on his earphones and he never disturbs me. And it's just kind of to let people know this isn't for fun. This is actually, you know, because if I'm having a normal conversation with somebody, I don't mind what's going on. But when you're doing a podcast, you have to remember that there's people listening to this and you need to be as professional as you can and just take it like that. You know, make sure you do everything, have your checklist. And when you have your checklist, if you have to add to it, then you add to it. And eventually it just becomes natural. And like at one stage I used to, it's not too bad. I don't need to do it no more. But I used to go, oh, I must just check off when I'm interviewing somebody. I go, oh, I must just make sure no, all my things are turned off. So it's not binging, you know, the Telegram and the WhatsApp and Discord because Discord was kind of big at the time because you would hear it binging. And it's like people don't want to be hearing that. And like what what I kind of say as well is when you're interviewing people that if somebody has a bad sound system or there's something, stop it and tell them, and, you know, because it's your show and you want the quality to be as good as you can. Because something builds go, I'll be grand and just go because the information is good. But if it's not like you could lose a listener, they're not going to come back. So you have to constantly be conscious of the different things. And another thing I would say is, like a lot of times you can outsource a lot of the work because there's a lot of work involved in it. It's not just kind of, ah, just wing it or whatever. You prepare, like you prepared today, you you know, with the introduction, you checked everything, you knew what we were going to talk about. I've been on shows where, and like, this is one of the guys I was on, he speaks in front of 10,000 people. And I was on a show, turned up and he goes, what did we say we we're going to talk about again? And only that I kind of done the research as well. Because I, I'll actually listening to shows your shows i i kind of understand your style i know the thing so even if you're guesting on people you know do the, the same t- respect you know because they're checking out you you do the same don't just turn up and go hey i'm here talk to me you know it's like understand how it's going to go so give it the respect like the other thing is with the time and i think this has come from one of my clients because he's so pedantic with time but i actually appreciate it because when people kind of they they don't turn up and then they kind of just go, oh, I was ill or oh, I, I forgot. Before I, honestly, before I just go, grand, yeah, let's reschedule. And I was like, no, nah. you know, it's like, I'm like, if there's somebody does that and I know that they're going like, like I, I've had someone out the other day and it was basically kind of saying, uh, oh, I missed, I mistake the time. And uh, I thought it was a uh, thing. They couldn't because they booked the time. Then I send them and uh, the link that goes straight, and then I actually email them as well based on the calendar. So they're getting three time proofs with the link. They know, but then they kind of play. so. Then I just go, all right, so yeah, it'll be March or something. I put I put them way out. Whereas before I just do it in the same week or next day or something. Like that. And I've kind of and I'll actually write to people as well. You know, they say oh, I was sick. I mean, I'll tell you, my father died in May of this year. And the first thing, like, I, it was an emergency kind of thing. Like, he just died like that. So I got on a flight the next day. But every person that I had podcasts with, I wrote to them, told them the situation, said, look, I'll be gone for two weeks. Da, 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 da. So if I can do that when somebody close to me dies and there's, you know, people wake up. So, like, don't do it to people and don't accept it. That's what I would say. Value your time because it's the only thing we can't, we can't get more of. It's like we all have limited time. So make sure people don't disrespect it. Well, go ahead. 
Great. So as someone who has opened 15 companies in five countries, uh, first of all, uh, what to say? It's a, it's a uh, achievement, I would say. So what entrepreneurial lessons did you carry from your earlier ventures um, into your podcasting and personal development journey? I, I think one would be who you surround yourself with. Like you just don't, you know, don't, don't accept the B player or C player, you know, like you have to kind of try people and check them. But the minute, you know, it's not right. Fire slow, fire fast. We've heard that one. And it's, there could be nothing more true. And like, even if you're hiring people, like what I would say is like some people, you can get the CV and they give the references. So I'll give you a few things that when you're interviewing or taking somebody on, when you're checking the reference, if you're the, that you are checking it when you're talking to that person ask them who else did they report to and then try to talk to that person because they will never give you somebody that doesn't like them they'll always give them give you a buddy in the company that's going to say all great things so when you do it that way they don't think nothing of it the person you're talking to but then you get a true picture of the person so that's one of the things the other thing is you know if, if it's not long distance or whatever if it's in the same city is you actually you interview them and tr- sometimes I, I, it's nice if you can get a few people to interview them, maybe, you know, s- someone in a VP or what, whoever to interview them first and then just get information from them. Then you interview them. If you were, if you were a secretary, receptionist, ask them what were they like? Because some people are cocky and they, they they don't think and get get the value, the opinion. Because if, if you have a good receptionist, She's watching that person. She's seen how he's treated her. Has he treated her with respect? And the other thing then, if you're kind of moving further, is take them, take them for lunch and see how they are with the waitresses, waiters. Because sometimes they, they drop their guard. They think they're in the door. And you're just seeing what's the real person like this. Because like with me, you respect the cleaner and you respect the, the multimillionaire. doesn't matter. You're not different to me. To me, it's I'm dealing with an individual. And some people don't act like that. And you just see how they are, how they're, you know, they could be all... And on nice and smiles to you because you're the CEO of the company. And then inside in the restaurant or even to your receptionist, they're different. So if you can have a few things like that, that will help. What kind of things that I bring across to the podcasting? I'd say it's just value in time is probably the most important. And like systemize, I systemize everything. So for example, I mean, now the sixth one, but like I have an Excel sheet with, with every podcast and I have the episodes, the number, and I'm constantly checking it. I check it a couple of times a day. It doesn't take that long, but I'm watching my averages and I'm like, what's wrong? Oh, forgot to share it here or forgot to share it there. Like there's so many different places like Facebook, Reddit, LinkedIn. Some are easy, some are not, some work, some don't. And it's something that I ask all my guests on, hey, which which platform serves you best in social media? The one thing is nobody likes it. So, you know, everyone thinks, oh, that's great we're on all these because we think we have to be to connect everybody and like what what i find is that the people that are doing it right are mastering one or two and i mean i'm guilty i'm like the reason i'm twitter i just it's if you're on youtube or any bit you it's just the button press share and and what i found is when you're tagging, always tag your guests. I mean, I, I have it in my farm that I actually make sure it's okay. Most people are, because at the end of the day, they're trying to promote themselves when they're coming on your show. But what I found is when they repost it, they get a load of it. So like Twitter doesn't really work for me, right. but when it's reshared or sometimes just shared, it gets massive 
So you just don't know. So if it doesn't take that long. So that's the reason I do it. Like Instagram, I did, I never found it brilliant. I, I have the Instagram for the things, but I don't post all the time because I found it was too much work for the return. So one of the tips that I would give people is with Facebook. And I suppose this has come from probably my kind of entrepreneurial journey because I've always set up Facebook pages and everything. And what I've learned is when you're paying for advertisement, when you turn off the tap, your organic growth goes and both Google and Facebook have been caught for that. So they're they're liable for that. But I mean, they're not going to admit, but people have actually exposed that. And I've seen that myself. It's like, you know, you get, you'd be doing very well and then you stop paying. You just try something. You start playing. I mean, we all want to grow our audience, but we want to grow it, you know, that people stay around. I mean, you can buy, you can yeah. buy views, you can buy downloads, everything. There's no point. That's just for your own ego. So I would encourage people, you'll have a gazillion, you probably get that. You've got a gazillion podcast promoters telling you they'll do this, they'll do that. And uh, you just say thanks, but no thanks, because it'll do you damage if you do it on YouTube. Like, I tried it on one of my channels and it never grew since. So I was like, you're doing yourself, you know, it's not helping you one bit, even though you're thinking, oh, if I got a thousand subscribers, it looks better and all this. And I say, no, you're better off organically growing it slowly and try to stay away from the paid Facebook and thing. I mean, some people do it. Some people have a bit of success, but I think it's just getting the group. So I'll give an example. So with um, the Polish one, I'm in uh, Farners in Much. Foreigners in Warsaw, Polish in uh, UK, Polish in Ireland, Polish in New York, Chicago, because they're big communities. And that's where I post my stuff because they're the audience. Because a lot of the Polish, as I was going across the pond the other way, they were going to Ireland, England, and and like the, a lot of them married the the locals. So they're trying to teach them or the kids to, when they're meeting the grandparents. It's the audience. My audience is all over the world. So when I'm sharing on these Facebooks, it helps. And the other thing is, and I only learned this a few months ago, is when people like your post in these groups, you can go into their thumbs up or their heart and invite them to your page. And I wasn't doing that. And I've, I've noted that you'll at least convert 10 to maybe 20% of the people that actually engage and that's how your page grows. And then every time you post something, they see it as well. And your numbers just go. So with my Excel sheets, what I'm trying to do is I want to grow by 1% a week. So with yeah. my thing, it's like if I get half percent, I color it yellow. If I get 1%, it goes green. And if it's 2%, it goes purple. And I try, and like, that's that's something like 165 or something like that a year. You think, ah, it's nothing 1%, but you can do 1%. And like yeah. the other thing as well is for podcasters, because sometimes people say, oh, I've only got 20 views or whatever. And I go, if you're in a room and 20 people turn up, there is a lot of speakers would be delighted to go into that room and have a, a speech and talk. And if they come back next week and they're 20 or there and maybe some leave and some come back, you still keep speaking. But for some reason, because they look at all these famous podcasters, Rogan and all this, Patrick, but they, you know, they know they're in the millions. They think they have to be in the millions. And it's like YouTube and anything. You look at a lot of these, like, you know, there's very few. Most people have very little numbers, but it's the case if they're actually engaging with people. And not to knock it and just keep building and building and always ask people to give you a review. Like I encourage now the listeners to give Avic a five-star review and a, a rating. And like say, people say, I don't know how to do it. So I created a video. So what they do is on Spotify, just three dots, you hit it, you scroll up five-star rating on your podcast. On Apple, you go to your podcast, you scroll down five-star review and leave a comment, a nice comment on why you like it. And also people 
they mightn't donate or they mightn't do anything. Just ask them to share. Just share. That's actually, it's really helping. Or even if they comment, if they give a thumbs up, if they like it, just give a thumbs up. Because what happens is, unfortunately, the algorithms, the way that they're working is if someone, they put it out to maybe 5 to 10% of your friends and groups on your own page. And if there's no engagement, it doesn't show it anymore. And you're wondering, why is there no engagement? So what you do is if people are engaged, it shows it the more. And the other thing what I've learned is when you put up an episode, because you're putting up the episode with maybe the link, they won't, they won't show it to nobody. But if you put up a picture and the link underneath it as a comment, then you'll get 20 and 30. And I don't do it all the time. It's like when I'm remembering it, but it's just like simple things like that. They actually work. And just by being consistent. And the other thing is love what you're doing. So if you if you were thinking of creating a podcast, do something that you've got a skill set that you love and that it's not a job. And don't do it for like, I'll try this for a month. Do it for a year at least. And if you know you're helping people, if you if, like I've often said, I've like my conversation helped one person. Would I still do it? Absolutely. You know, it's like if you've touched somebody, because you don't know, that person could touch someone else who in turn could touch a million people. You know, it's just, just throw out the pebbles and watch the ripples go. So love what you do. That's what I would tell people. That's really lovely. Great. Great. So thank you for joining us today on Healthy Mind and Healthy Life and our heartfelt gratitude to uh, Roy for sharing uh, your incredible journey from loss to the liberation. And through the highs and lows, um, for the listeners, I want to mention, like, Roy's story is definitely a testament to the power of resilience, mindfulness, and the transformative impact of a healthy mindset. So as we wrap up this episode, we encourage all of you, our cherished listeners, to reflect on the valuable insights Roy has provided. So whether you are budding podcaster, an entrepreneur, facing the challenges or simply someone on a quest for a healthier mind and a life, Roy's experiences offer a health and a wealth of inspiration. So if you have enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, share and leave a review. Your support means the world to us and help us continue bringing you the more meaningful conversations. So stay inspired, stay resilient and stay well. And thank you so much for being a part of this community. Thank you so much. Thank you.